check, check, check. Well, good morning. I'm going to invite you to please stand and join us as we sing about our amazing friend that we have in God.
invite you to be seated. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be back with you guys. It's um, been an amazing journey with our young um, little Liam. I kind of wish I would have put a picture up here for you guys this morning, but um, if you're on social media, you'll see those, and hopefully we'll get a picture for you guys to see soon, or you can just ask us. We'd love to show them off. Um, so i got a couple quick announcements for us um, this morning. Um, number one, I want to just have us pray for Pastor Tommy this morning as he is going to a revival service um, this evening preaching. Um, also, pray for uh, Shirley and Lance Mullis. Uh, Miss Shirley's uh, brother passed away, I think, early this morning, late last night. Um, so just keep them in your prayers. I know it's a rough time um, when you lose a loved one. Also, next Sunday, not this Sunday, but next Sunday after service, kind of just up here um, in front of the stage, uh, there will be a nursery worker safety team meeting. Um, we have some new safety protocols and stuff like that we want to go over with you guys, make sure our kids are safe, make sure you guys know what's happening in case of an emergency. Um, so please be here for that. Also, we still have some um, open slots in our VBS uh, sign-up sheet out there. We need a craft director and a couple other uh, leaders. Um, also, there is a flyer you can hand out to your friends and um, other families you know um, out there with dates and information on there um, as well. Also, so hang with me, we've got a couple, couple things to talk about this morning that are not in your bulletin. Um, there will be a parent meeting next Sunday, youth and kids parent meeting, next Sunday, 6 p.m. in the youth building. Um, youth are welcome to join us. Um, I would ask that kids go ahead and go to um, their um, team kids study uh, during that time, um, just so we can kind of focus in and see what God has um, in store for us coming up in the future planning. Um, also, there's a sign-up sheet in the vestibule for, to feed our youth on Wednesday night. If you guys are love to cook or just want to have something catered for us, we'd love to um, have you guys support our youth in that way. Um, also, tomorrow night, what's tomorrow night? Revival. Revival. Um, doc, uh, Dr. Mike Whitson from First Baptist Indian Trail will be with us. It's going to be a great time. We pray that the Word of God will be preached, the Spirit of God will be moving, and our hearts will be re-energized, and people will be saved. Um, so please come out for that. Um, it's going to be a great night. Anything else you guys need, make sure you're getting bulletin. Make sure you're reading your bulletin. Make sure you're paying attention to everything that's in it in because it, we have amazing staff that does a lot of work in these events, um, an amazing secretary that puts a lot of work into this piece of paper. Um, so make sure you read it, live it, love it. Um, let's pray and get about worshiping the Lord together. Um, dear Holy Father God, We just thank you for this time that you have for us. And Lord, as we open your word together this morning, I pray that your spirit will be moving in our hearts and preparing our hearts um, to receive your truth, Lord. And Lord, just thank you for this opportunity I get to be here uh, with these people to bring your word today. Um, Thank you for these things we're doing here at First Baptist and let it be all for your glory and your honor. So that's the first I pray. Amen.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, how awesome it is to be in your house this morning. Let us be reminded of how abundant you are in our lives and all the blessings you've given us. God, I ask as we tithe and offer this morning, Lord, that you bless these tithes, that they be used for your kingdom and your glory. I ask all these things in your name. Amen.
Isn't it great that we have power in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. Um, if you would, open your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Um, we are still in our um, Real Jesus series through the book of Colossians. I'm trying to see who He really is versus what we try to make Him to be. Um, so we'll be in verses 5 through 11. Verse 5 through 11. Um, and today we're going to talk about becoming less like sin and more like Jesus. Less like sin and more like Jesus. As you guys are turning there, I have a quick um, tidbit of information I would like to share with you. Um, it's kind of an old piece of information, but it really shocked me that I never knew this until now. So in 2008, according to the Christian Post, um, a Christian um, news outlet and many other outlets, because I had to cross-reference make sure it was uh, legitimate, it wasn't just one off-the-wall source, um, and so in 2008, these sources um, said that the Junior Oxford Dictionary, a.k.a. the Kids' Dictionary Oxford produces, removed several words from the dictionary. Um, but I discovered that there were two words that jumped out on, off the page at me in this article that I was reading. They really opened my eyes. The two words were this, sin and disciple. In 2008, from the Kids' Dictionary, Oxford Dictionary. And they said, quote, We removed these words due to the lack of use and relevance amongst the new generation. Let that sink in for a minute. Sin, what God tells us is wrong and against His standard, and disciple, what it means to follow Jesus, being a learner or student of the Word. If you remove things from someone's vocabulary, they no longer see them as true or relevant. Our culture is trying to remove these words from this generation's vocabulary because they don't want them to know what the standard of right and wrong is, and they don't want, to know, want them to know what it means to stand and follow Jesus. So that really brings us to our passage today in Colossians chapter 3. And I have to admit to you guys, this was a very tough passage for me to break down because it's a very familiar passage because often we want to run through the first part and then get to verses 12 through 17 where we can say, okay, what does it mean to be like Jesus? We don't want to sit and talk about what it means to put off sin, which we're going to discuss today. It's very uncomfortable as a pastor to sit and, and talk about these are things you're doing wrong, do better. But it's, God has brought me to this passage in our series. Um, by the, uh, th- I'm thankful to Tommy for letting me be up here and deliver this to you guys. I'm thankful to God for bringing me to this message and giving me the grace and ability to do this. So if you're not there yet, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 through 11. Um, I'd like to read our passage, then we'll kind of go back and break it down. Verse 5, we, hear, we see, says, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. And do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices. And I put on the new self. 
You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Will you pray with me? Dear Father God, let your truth ring from your word. Let it pierce the heart of those who need to hear it and let it motivate those who are ready to live it. And be with me as I deliver your word by the power of your spirit. Thank you for letting me be here. It's an impression of my pray. Amen. All right, let's look back at verse 5. It says, therefore. It's the first word we come to in this passage. And Tommy preached on the prior verses, so we know that therefore is therefore a reason to tell us that everything we just talked about leads up to this point, therefore do what's coming after it. So uh, Tommy talked about, and I'm paraphrasing what he said last week, that Jesus saves us and frees us to be different. So we got to do it. He is faithful to save us and to change us. So we, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that the old has passed away and the new has come. See, y'all, salvation without change is like an apple tree that never produces any apples. You cannot have one without the other because salvation is change itself. We are being born again. We're not staying the way we are and then slowly just becoming a new person. We are born again. We're giving a new heart, completely changed. So my question is, do you want to be fruitful for the kingdom or useless to Jesus? So uh, we're going to unpack what it means that we have to become less like sin and more like Jesus. And we're going to see this in two, in two ways of how we become less like sin and more like Jesus in two ways through our passage this morning. Number one is to eliminate our sin. Number two is to exalt our Savior. So what, is it, what does it look like to eliminate our sin? Look at, with, look at, with, da, 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 da. Look at me, look at verse 5 with me again. There we go, I got it right this time. Um, where it says, uh, to put to death, or in your translation it may say, consider, put away, put to death, consider dead, kill. All these things are telling us that we are to intently think in order to act right. Intently think in order to act right. That's what it means to consider. We have to consider our new relationship to sin in view of Jesus. Then live out of this newness. Because you, you all know what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross. He lived the perfect life. And He rose from the dead to pay for the sin debt and release you from sin's power in your life. So now we have to view our relationship to sin in view of Jesus because He's broken the chains for us to step away from it. We have to live out of this newness. How many of you are familiar with the TV show The Shark Tank? Awesome. Like they got a little half, half hand raise. We're doing, we're doing better, Pastor Tommy. We're, we'll get them up full, full hand raise here in a little bit. Um, so one of the investors on the show by the nickname Mr. Wonderful or Kevin O'Leary, says often to the contestants that don't team up with him, you're dead to me. Um, are these people actually dead? Well, no. He considers them dead because they are of no use to him. They didn't want to be on his team, so he's like, you're dead to me. You might as well be dead because you're of useless to me. We have to have the same attitude towards sin and view it as useless to us Therefore, eliminating it from our lives 
because it has no place for us as Christians. Will we still struggle with sin? Absolutely, because this, this body of death has not gone away until we get to glory. But in our heart, we have to go through the same struggle that Paul goes through in Romans chapter 7 of, I don't know why I do these things I know I shouldn't, I, why I can't do these things I know I should, but thanks be to God who saves me and helps me. So as we talk about this idea of eliminating sin from our lives, we have to understand, why must it be eliminated? Um, look at verse uh, 6 and 7 with me. It says this, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the disobedient. Sin has got to be eliminated because God's wrath is being poured out on it. God is disappro- disapproves of sin, and he has to deal with sin because it's against his great design and it destroys everything in its path. God is, has the right to deal with sin because he is good and the author of this universe. That's number one why sin must be eliminated. Number two, look at verse 7. It says, And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. Sin has got to be eliminated because it's no longer who we are. We're no longer that identity. Often in this life, when we get saved, we're still stuck in our old sinful patterns because we're like, oh, that's who I am. And we don't realize that we're no longer that person. We are made new. We're being born again. We put off these things. So no matter what your past is, Jesus is better. No matter what thing you think is holding you now, Jesus wants to release you from those things. To live in the newness of life with Him that He has this better thing to offer you. It's not who we are. We have a new identity. We have a new master. And we have a new me. So... This whole idea of identity in this culture, why are we fighting over identity right now? Because identity tells me how I can live my life. Identity tells me how I can live my life, and you have to accept my way of living. If my identity is Christ, then I have to live my life for Christ. And people don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. It's not normal. It's not unnatural because he's supernatural. Because he came out of the supernatural to the natural to save us so we could live in this newness with him. Sin has got to be eliminated because of the wrath of God, and it's not who we are anymore. Okay, we got the why. Okay, Zach, what, has to, what sins have to be eliminated? Is it just some sins, like, you know, like pornography and, and like objectifying people and like murdering people, like those things, Zach? No, Paul is going to tell us that from the inside out, all sin has got to be eliminated. Look with me back at verse 5, this list that he says here. Um, Put the things that belong to your earthly nature. Your earthly nature. Y'all, we are born into sin. We are conceived in sin. The sin is running through our brains until the blood of Christ comes in us and washes us clean. We have the sinful nature that only says that you can only do sin and only want sin. And then the rest of this list goes through and talks about these things of desire. So the sins at the first part of this list talk about is the nature and desire. The things that I think about doing on the inside but don't actually do on the outside. So you walk with me. Jesus said that looking at a girl and wanting her is just as much sin as actually having a relationship with her. Right? So we have these desires, this appetite for sin. So verse 5 is telling us that the sin that has to be eliminated first is the sin in me. There's sin in me that is crying to come out and to get me to do these sinful things because we know that every sinful action is, starts with a sinful motive. The Bible tells us that out of the wellspring, the wellspring of life flows out of the heart. It starts on the inside. We have sin in me and it's got to be taken care of. 
And in verse 8 and 9, this list basically comes down to all these things we see that come out of a person. This practice, this sin from, from me. There's two layers of sin that we have to deal with. The sin in me and the sin from me. So springtime, we thought was upon us. You may come back around here uh, next month or so. Um, how many of you are in landscaping, you know how annoying the dandelion flower is? Like, you cut it down, you think it's gone, and then like 40 more come up the next day. It is like the worst. The only way to truly get rid of a weed that's annoying is to kill it at its root. Uproot it, and then probably put some poison control on it, and then maybe it'll stay away. You never know. But it's the same thing that's got to happen with our sin. We have to allow God to uproot sin in our lives so we can get sin out of me. That way sin doesn't come from me. So that my Savior can get in me and His Spirit and power come from me. So sin has got to be eliminated because the wrath of God is coming upon it. It is no longer who I am. All sin from me has to be eliminated. Sin in me and sin from me. Okay, Zach, we got the what and the why. How is sin being eliminated? We just talked about it. Paul is telling us that sin has got to be eliminated at the source through the only power that has the capability to do it, through Christ. Sin has got to be killed at the deepest level. Look at this, the verse 5 again with me in this, this list. It boils down from evil desire down to idolatry and then idolatry to coveting or being dissatisfied with your life and longing for someone else's life, things, and relationships. What is that? That's pride. That's pride. That's the root of all sin. Pride is just disregarding God to achieve your own goals and desires and disregarding Him. And then look back at verses 8 and 9 at this list and read over it again. That this boils down to that I disregard others. I don't care if I lie to them. I don't care if I slander them. I don't care if I show my unrighteous anger towards them. Because I don't care about them. That's why we lie. We don't care about other people. We care about me. To cover up my, my rear end. Do you guys see what's happening in these two lists? What are the two great commandments that Jesus gave us that says, summed up the whole law? Love God and love others. These two lists, Paul is getting at the heart of, of sin, that we don't want to love God because we want to love ourselves more than God. We don't want to love others because we want to be the master and the only one that really matters. When we allow sin to hang around and be a significant part of our life, we are cheating on God and His design. We are shortchanging God and shortchanging ourselves and our relationship with God and saying, God, we got this. I know what you did for me, but I got this. We uproot His design. We uproot His best and think that we know better. That's foolish. That is foolish to think we know better than God. That is foolish to think I know God's word better than He does. That's foolish to think that I can rearrange the scripture to make it say what I want to say about, about sin, about structure, and about everything in life. Because everything at its core, every anchor point in life is found in the scripture. And there's very little gray areas. And the gray areas that are here are ones that someone way smarter than me can probably explain away. I've not studied it long enough to know. So we have to stop allowing sin to be our, our mistress in this life and let God be the only one in our life.
I know marriage is kind of a relative subject at the moment, but the way I see marriage is a man and woman for, for one life forever, you know. And can you imagine your spouse cheating on you? If you've been through that, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, and you know the pain that is there. You'd be devastated. I come from a background where my, where my father cheated on, on my mom, and God has reconciled that and brought grace and, and stuff through that, and we have a decent relationship now, but it hurt then. When we choose sin over God, this is what we do to Him every single time. Saying, the love that you have for me is not enough for me. I need something else. John Owen, a famous theologian, pastor, famously said this, that you better be killing sin or it will be killing you. If we allow sin to attach itself to us, over and over and over again, we fall away from Christ. Not losing your salvation, but not walking with Him. We are walking like a dead man walking. We must surrender to the Holy Spirit and put to death, eliminate sin in me and from me so I can have a true relationship with Christ. Because when we allow sin to hang around, we just put on this face. Put on this, this mask of like, oh yeah, I got Jesus on the outside, but I don't have Jesus on the inside. I'm sorry, you have to have Jesus on the outside, on the inside before you can have him on the outside. He's got to change your heart before you change your actions. I think as a, a church culture, we have done a, such a bad job of saying, oh, you've got to fix this, 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 before you can get Jesus. On the, rather, get Jesus and he will fix this, 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 and this. Because on our own power, we'll always fall away. In his power, we'll always have victory. So we have to eliminate sin in order to be more like our Savior. Also, to be able to be more like our Savior, we have to exalt Him. This word exalt means to elevate or hold in extreme honor. There is no salvation where sin is not eliminated and Christ is not exalted. Where you, where you agree with God that I am nothing without Jesus and I'm totally lost without Him. And if you don't recognize who Jesus is as your Lord and your Savior, you're missing the point. That's all it is. We're agreeing with God of who you are and agreeing with God of who He is. We have to keep Jesus in proper perspective to allow me to stay in my proper place by serving Him. In order to keep Jesus in His right perspective of me exalting Him, lifting Him up, seeing Him in the honor that He's due, we must know Him. We see this play out in verses, the last part of verse uh, nine through the end of our, our passage. Let me read it for us again to remind us uh, where we are. Verse 9 it says, And you put off the old self with his practices, and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ there is no Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised or barbarian or Scythian or slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 says this about the knowledge of Christ, about knowing Christ at this relational, not informational level. He says this, But everything that was gained to me I have considered to be lost because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung 
so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having righteousness of my own from the law, but the one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is, not, is to know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, and be conformed to His death. Paul was writing this from a jail cell. Of that, I've known everything in this life, and all I want is Jesus. Everything else is meaningless to me, may as well be considered poop to me, because I know Christ is better. In order, in order to say we honestly know the real Jesus, we must believe He is who He says He is by recognizing His authority as Lord and by believing His work as Savior and allowing our life to reflect that. You cannot have Jesus without with being Savior without being Lord. You can't have Him being Lord without being Savior. They are, you cannot separate the two. They must go together. Because you are surrendering yourself to something bigger than yourself. You're saying, Christ, I know what you've done for me, so I want to follow you. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Surrendering your life to Him as your Lord and your Savior. He cannot be, they're not mutually exclusive. So what does this idea of knowing Jesus and relationship with Jesus do for us? Well, in verse 10, it says, knowing Jesus conforms us. It conforms us. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your Creator. We're being renewed back to the original image of God. Yes, every human has value because of the image of God, but it's a broken image. We see in the garden that God formed us, and then sin came into to our lives and deformed us, deconstructed us, broke us from our separation, uh, separated us from God. And then Christ come back into the world to save us, to reform us, back into that image, and then we're being daily conformed into that image of God to live like Him. See, it's got to start with knowledge. And where does knowledge of Christ come from? The Word of God. The living, inerrant, totally pure Word of God. If you're not living back by this book and you say you're following Jesus, then you're not following Jesus because this is the only Jesus that matters. Hollywood can't reinvent Him. Christian authors can't rewrite Him. This is the only Jesus that is the real Jesus. Every other Jesus is a false God. So we, knowing Jesus is being conformed to Jesus. We know what He's done for us. We know the life He lived through the Gospels. And that's our, our pursuit in this daily life to follow Him and being molded into Him. Um, have you all ever seen like on like the Science Channel or something like that, when they're trying to make mass producing of parts, they make a mold and then they pour the metal, the liquid metal into the mold to mass produce the parts. So the point of the mold is to make an exact replica of the original part. That's what God wants to do with us in Christ, is make an, a close replica of Christ, minus being God, that's weird. We're to follow in His character and His likeness and live out His power through the Holy Spirit. To be an a image of Christ. To be a mirror of Christ to everyone around us. That's our job. If you don't think you have a purpose in this world and you're a believer, your purpose in this world is to be a light and an image bearer of the King and showing us around you who you are. Who you are. And if you're not doing that, you're not fulfilling your purpose. We have to be conformed to Jesus. Knowing Jesus conforms us to His image. 
Also, in verse 11, it says that knowing Jesus connects us. It says, there is not all these things but Christ. We look at this, this passage of like Greek and Jew. There is no ethnic division in Christ. We become one people. The circumcision, uncircumcision. There's no religious divide in Christ. It's one relationship with one God through Christ. There's no division. It doesn't matter if you're, it says, barbarian, Scythian, either this high-end soldier or this barbarian who just runs around aimlessly. It doesn't matter if you're a slave or a free person. But it's all about Jesus. So stop making it about anything else. There are no dividing lines with Christ except for what He says is right and wrong. Christ is the end all and be all. Revelation said He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. The only one that matters. The only thing worth defending and arguing over is Christ. Fellow believers, we have to value each other better. Because we look at each other and we should see Jesus. But often we treat each other like garbage. We're so mean. Not just us, but like church culture as a whole. We're so mean and easily divided. Jesus conforms us to his image and and he made clear stances on what things should divide me from another person. And he connects us. We should be a family. The family of God in Christ. So in this we see that knowing Jesus keeps him in proper perspective and allows me to stay in my proper place. If I know Jesus like I think I know Jesus and who he is and his power and his majesty and being the king of the universe, that makes me not the king. That makes me surrender my pride. makes me surrender my sin and allow it to be eliminated, eradicated, purged out of my life daily by him through the power of his spirit. So in order to be conformed to Jesus, to be more like him, Sin must be eliminated. We must consider it dead to us. But Christ must be exalted. Matthew West has this song, you're probably really familiar with it, Motions. Right? You know you know that song, Matthew West, Motions. Cool. We're getting a little, we're getting to the head level of raising your hand. We're good. Um, the lyrics go like this. It says, this might hurt, it's not safe, but I know I've got to make a change. I don't care if I break, at least I'll be feeling something. Because just okay is not enough. Help me fight through the nothingness of life. The chorus goes like this. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I had given everything instead of going through the motions. Aren't you tired of the game? Of this cycle of where I feel like I'm forced into this religious niche, but I have no true relationship with Christ that makes me want to obey. Aren't you tired of being forced into a, a, a mold of this, of this thing of living, the, saying I know someone, but I don't feel like I'm living who I am. I'm, I'm living a lie. 
So I have a couple more questions as I, as I come to a close um, on our passage here. Do you want the real Jesus? Or do you want some Hollywood TV show fabrication of Jesus? Because there are a lot of good things out here that help us get to the Word, but they cannot replace the Word. Do you want the real Jesus? And don't you guys want real revival in our homes, in our church, in our community? Tom, I guess no one wants that. Okay. Um, you guys can't force it. We can't force it. I've tried. It fails every time. Real revival starts when you get to know the real Jesus through the real word. We have got to make a change by eliminating sin and exalting Jesus. That's got to be our rhythm. Kill sin, lift up Jesus. Kill sin, lift up Jesus. Kill sin, lift up Jesus. That's got to be our rhythm in our life, our marching orders. If we're not doing that, we're not living by our king. We have got to return everything we do to be about the kingdom agenda. Because church has gotten so, so fixated on being the next entertainment center. Church has gotten so fixated on, oh, we've got to have these marketing strategies to promote our name and not his name. We have to be about his kingdom agenda. And the guys, news, newsflash, mind blow, the gospel is enough. Like, the gospel is enough. The methods may change how we present the gospel, but the message is always the same. Christ crucified for my sake, rose again so I can rise again in victory. Nothing else. The point of the entire Bible is to tell us that I cannot work my way to heaven. That I cannot do anything apart from Christ. I can't do it. I will fail every time. I need Him. In Christ alone. And we have to return to the unfailing, living, and errant Word of God and stop fluffing it up. Stop adding 10, ten ways to be happy to it. Stop adding 10 steps to lose weight to it. But could go to the Word of God to find true joy, true, true peace, and put on the true character of Christ. And that is enough. We don't need all these gimmicks and false teachers that are out there. We need Christ and Christ alone. So in order to be conformed to Christ, we have to be less like our sin and more like our Savior. Um, as I'm about to pray, I hope you guys see that through this passage that we have to completely kill sin, put it away, consider it dead from us, and, and run to Christ. And Tommy's going to unpack what that means to run to Christ more next week in the second part of um, what it means to live the Christian life. And as I pray, and as we sing our, our song of invitation, if you guys need this altar, there's nothing magical about it, but it may help you have a step of obedience. If you're willing, would you join me up here in this time of invitation to respond to Jesus and the truth of the word you've heard today? Let's not waste any more moments going through the motions. Let's run and want the real Jesus by killing sin and lifting up the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we are so thankful for you. 
We're so thankful for what you've done for us. Lord, just right now, if there's people in here that need you. Just have the Spirit convict them. Lord, there's people that need healing, spiritual healing. Let them come to you. Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you are. It's a person in my pray. Amen. Would you please stand? to be here this morning and to um, also have my time away to be with my family. Um, I pray that um, as we go out of here, we'll, we'll be changed um, to follow the word and solely the word. Um, I'll pray and be at the back, um, shake hands and love to speak with you guys. If you guys need anything else, and Tommy's here to speak and Tommy, uh, Brandon's here to speak with y'all too as well. So it's not just a one-man show around here. We've got multiple people that love you guys. All right, let's pray. 
Um, Dear Father God, thank you for this day you've given to us. Lord, thank you for showing us this ability we can just put off sin and put on you. To run to you, Lord. And as people are leaving this place, I hope that they chase after you and all that they do. And that they will stop playing the game. But want real revival in their hearts. To live for you. So that's the question I pray.